I think if we have a national obsession in this country over anything besides like sports, we probably have a national obsession with two things, comfort and security. We love, love, love to be comfortable, don't we? I mean, our houses are set between 68 and 72 degrees, no matter how hot or cold it is outside. Uh, we, we get into our cars, and they have like incredible climate control and comfort built into them. A lot of the new, newer cars, you've probably seen this, or maybe you have one, where it's like you can set the exact temperature you want in the car, and there's separate systems for both people in the front of the car. Like, you can have it at this temperature, and you can... Clearly, someone who was married uh, decided to put that design feature in, of like, I'm tired of arguing with my wife about how cold it is in here. So, uh, the got that and they got the seats that are comfortable and the seats can be warmed and it's all of that stuff. You go into your house, there's like carpet and there's big fluffy sofas. Your bed has like 17 pillows on it for some reason. I don't even get that because we take them all off to go to sleep and then we have to put them back on in the morning, but whatever. There's lots of pillows. Like comfort is our, our jam. It's, it's so uh, Im- important to us uh, all throughout our, con- our culture that we would be comfortable. Make sh- I just want to make sure you're comfortable. But the other thing we really get into is safety. We, we, we say, oh, buckle up. Uh, or we say, don't text and drive, which for the record, I'm, that's a good thing. Don't text and drive. But uh, we're, we're all about safety, uh, particularly around children. We put like, you know, rubber bumpers on every sharp corner. I don't know what we did. I think, because I think, as, I remember as kids, I think we just played with like rocks and glass and stuff. I don't think we had rubber bumpers on everything. We certainly rolled around in the back of a station wagon or a pickup truck uh, with no care about a seatbelt. Now you have like a seatbelt and a car seat installed by a fireman with a 20-point harness, and, and like, that's, that's it, you know, because we want to be safe. Be safe. Make sure you're safe. And it's not just children. We do this with adults. I went to Turkey three weeks ago, and flying out on the way to Turkey, I just wrote online. I said, hey, uh, I'm heading out to Turkey tonight, uh, whatever. And um, lots of people commented and said, hey, we're praying for you, uh, which was great. And I, I appreciate being prayed for uh, when, when traveling and really all the time is, is great. Um, but it was interesting to me to look at what everyone was saying when they, when they would write a little comment back about praying for me. Everybody said, I mean, almost to the person, everybody said, be safe, safe travels, have a safe trip, safe, safe travels, see you later, that kind of thing. It was like, it came up so often, I was like, wow, we're really into this safe thing. Like, it's really important to us that no matter what we do, we're going to be safe. And I get it. I get the sentiment. Of course, I want to come back from that trip. I want to be safe. But being safe is not why I went. That wasn't my goal. If I wanted to be really safe, I would just stay on the sofa where it's comfortable and carpeted and, and all that. Like, I would just stay there. Safety wasn't exactly the reason to do it. Like, I'm, I'm actually willing to take a risk. And I know there's been a coup there nine months ago, and I know there's stuff about, and I know where Turkey is on a map. I got it. And I know there's a State Department travel advisory and all of those things. I understand that. But it was just a little indicator to me, like, man, we are really into safety in, in, in this country. We're just all about it. I mean, I've, I've seen it. Have you ever ridden the GRTC bus to go downtown? No, you haven't because it's unsafe and it's going downtown, right? So I'm not going to do that. But if you ever ride it, it's really funny to me or interesting. You get on that bus and they have a recorded message that plays at the stop or whatever. And it says, thank you for riding GRTC where your safety is our number one priority. That's what it says. And I just thought, that's not true. Your number one priority is getting me from here to there. That's what you do and you hopefully make money, safety's on the list, but it can't be your number one priority because if I, if I want to get safe, again, I'll just stay home. I won't ride your bus at all. 
Like, it's just so weird. Safety is our number one priority. You know who else says safety is their number one priority as a company? United Airlines. I'll let you draw your own conclusions about that. But it's weird, right? Safety. No, you move people through the sky in a plane. That's what your number one. You have to like maximize value for shareholders and things like that. Like safety is your number one priority. Why do companies say safety is their number one priority or your safety is our number one priority? Why do they say that? Because they know that's what we want to hear. They know that we're like, oh. I mean, if you, if, if you really sat back and thought about air travel, it would freak you out. Like you're in this pressurized metal tube going through the sky. Like that's terrifying. And so they know, hey, it's a little scary to fly. It's crazy. I mean, we've been doing it for 100 years, but it's weird, right? So, 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 they, so they try to communicate to us safety, be safe, because they know as Americans in particular, that's really what we want to hear. And, and, and here's my conviction. I, I think we're just missing something. All this comfort and all the safety, all the security, we're missing out on something greater. Some of the greatest experiences, some of the greatest faith-stretching, God-pull-you-out uh, experiences you will have are when you stop being so comfortable and stop being so safe. When God yanks on you and pulls you out of your comfort zone, that's when the magic happens, guys. That's when the growth happens. That's the edge you, you leaning on and, and building your faith and taking a risk and trusting God happens when you let go of trusting yourself and being so comfortable and working it all out and sort of 401k in your life and, and all, all, all make sure everything is covered and, and keep it safe. That's when God does his good works is when we get out of our comfort zone. I mean, you see that in the gym, right? If you go into the gym, ain't nobody looks comfortable in the gym, right? It doesn't, no one's over there and they're lifting, jacking weights. And you're like, that looks really comfortable. Like, like uh, the only person who looks comfortable is that person who binge watches Netflix shows on the treadmill. You know, they're just kind of jogging along, whatever. I'm like, you're not even doing it right. You might as well go home. Like, come on, put some, put some sweat into it. Get uncomfortable because that's what we're here for. And we know that about physical exercise. I have to get uncomfortable if I'm going to grow. One of the reasons we don't like physical exercise is because it's so uncomfortable. But I believe the greatest gains will come in our faith and in life when we are willing to take risks and get out of our comfort zone. Now, the church uh, should be a, we think the church should be a place of safety and comfort because, and I get that, you go, oh man, I just need this moment at church. I just need a little island of sanity and a sea of crazy. And, and there's all stuff going on in the world. And I just want to center myself and, and come to church and, and it'll be comfortable. And I get that. Um, but I also don't see that's the way Jesus described church. In fact, when Jesus first talked about the church in the book of Matthew, Jesus says, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. The gates of hell, guys, that's what Jesus is talking about. He's like, that sounds like warfare to me. That doesn't sound like Christian yoga and fancy coffee bars. He's like, no, we're going to get after it. And, and that's what the church is supposed to be. So it, it, it wasn't in its design supposed to be the place where we feel the most safe and the most comfortable. And, and, and we should know that. Listen, we follow Jesus. And Jesus says things like in Luke chapter 9. Jesus says, if anyone would follow after me, let him take up his cross and deny himself. Self-denial is at the heart of our faith that there are things in us that we reclaim or core to us that, that, that we struggle with or whatever. There are things in us that we need to deny and say, I'm not doing that. I'm not going to be part of that. I'm not going there. That's at the core of Christianity. There's self-denial in there. And he says, take up your cross. Is that safe? Taking up a cross? That's a torture device for the Romans. You die on that. 
And that's what Jesus says to us. Take up your cross and deny yourself and follow me. Clearly, our comfort and our safety were not Jesus' number one priority. Right? And so, I want to I talk about um, how we can get a little less comfortable and a little more um, unsafe and really step out there. We're, we're starting a new series today called Get Out There. And I want to talk about how we get out and share our faith, how we speak up and help others who don't know about Jesus come to know him because that is the call of, of Christ on our lives. And whenever you speak about sharing your faith, people get uncomfortable. You may be feeling it right now. You're like, uh-oh. And it's not just the chair you're in, by the way. You might just be feeling like, oh, let me say this. I didn't tell first service this. They're, they're telling me that we're getting new seats in the center section this summer. So, I know, right? So, if you want to get comfortable in church, it's the center section. I'm looking forward to watching all of you fight over the center section um, going, going forward uh, in this fall. But uh, we, we, uh, it feels unsafe to share your faith, to speak up, to, to, because you think, oh, I, I can't speak up because HR at work will say something if I speak about my faith, or, or at school they won't like that, or it's bad for my career, or it's going to be awkward with my family. But I think magic happens when we get uncomfortable. In fact, getting uncomfortable and moving out of safety is at the heart of the gospel. The, 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 the letter that Paul writes to the book of, uh, to, in the book of Philippians, the church at Philippi, Paul writes this letter, and uh, he's talking to the church there, and he's, he's telling them what Jesus did, and he actually quotes, in these verses we're going to look at, he actually quotes a well-known Christian basically a Christian worship song that had already become popular uh, by the time Paul writes this in like 60 AD. He, re- he quotes this worship song about what Jesus did, and I want you to notice what kind of life Jesus had and what he gave up as he describes it here in Philippians chapter 2. We'll put it up on the screen. Paul says this, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself Nothing taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father." Paul says the mindset that you and I are supposed to have is the same as Jesus. And then he says, here's what Jesus did. And and then here's what Jesus did. And then he quotes that hymn. What Jesus did was give up comfort and security and safety in heaven to come down here. In a nutshell, it's called the incarnation, the enfleshment that God, the divine, takes on human flesh. God, Jesus is living in heaven with God and, and the Holy Spirit, like in this, in this perfect kind of, this, this, this trinity, this perfect kind of union, and he gives up the security of that. Now, I don't know all of the security codes uh, of, around heaven, like how, exactly how all of that works, but one thing you read about heaven is that there are no more tears and no more sorrow there. So I'm looking forward to that because there's a lot of tears and sorrow here. And so one thing I know about heaven is that there is some level of comfort there. And Jesus willingly lays that aside to come down into this mess of a place. And, and, and that's at the heart of the gospel message. He doesn't give up being divine. It's not like he's not God anymore. He willingly lays down the privileges of being divine so that we could be in a right relationship with God. And that is astounding. Understand, the world does not get that concept. If you look at 
Islam, one of the biggest struggles Islam has with Christianity is this very idea that Jesus is God in the flesh. Because in, 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 the, in their minds, in, in Islam, it's like, hey, Allah is not going to dirty himself by kind of joining our thing down here. So that makes no sense in that culture. It made no sense in the ancient world either, where you had Roman and Greek gods who, you know, the Zeus and Apollo and all that. The gods are kind of up there in their world and humans are down here and and they don't come down and sort of soil themselves by being in our soil. They, they, they They don't do that. So Jesus lays down his privileges of being um, in heaven and the comfort and the security that's there, uh, and he comes down to earth to a very unsafe place. In fact, he gets crucified when he comes down here. Why? Well, because he loves us. Because of his great love for us, Jesus uh, is willing to come here and, and be crucified, to be hung on a cross, to die for our sins and to make us right with our heavenly Father and our Creator. And you, know, you may not believe that God loves you. You may, today, you may, you may feel like, man, I've had a bad week. I've had a bad month. 2017 has been a bad year. In fact, on the balance of things, I'm, I'm, I think I've kind of had a bad life. And so when I say God loves you, you might be like, that can't be true. There's no way, because if I was God, I would love me differently. I would have done a few different things along the way, and how could God allow this thing to exist, and this is evil, and this is hard, and this is dark? No way God loves me when all of these things are happening around me or around the world. And, and, and if that's where you're at today, I get it, but I just want to say that it's quite possible that that statement says as much about you as it does about God. It says as much about how you process the world. Um, so God loves us. And what does he call us to do? He, he came to earth for our sins. What does he call us to do? I want you to consider this. Matthew chapter 28, before Jesus leaves, he gathers up his disciples and he says this to them. It's a very famous text. Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Jesus gathers up his closest crew and he says, all right, I've got all authority and power. This has all been given to me in heaven and earth. And and I'm going to be with you. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to go. He says, go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. In other words, go, get out there. Yeah, I don't know where you're, I don't know what you're going to do, but you can't stay here. Like, I need you out. I need you sharing my message. I need you carrying uh, all that I've commanded you. And, he, and look what he says. He says, uh, go to all nations. That's a global vision. Baptize people. Help people come to know Christ. Baptize into the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then teach them to observe. Other translations will say, obey all that I've commanded you. So it's making disciples of all nations, all people groups, all over the earth. This isn't for super Christians. This is actually the call on all of us. And we read it and we're like, go to all nations. We're like, oh, those other nations are so far away. And it's expensive. It's difficult. Make disciples of all people. Oh, man, I got to like 
make a disciple. I can barely be a disciple myself. I'm not even that good at it. Now I've got to be a dis- making. Oh, that's hard. Baptizing him. That's going to be awkward when I shove my friends underwater. Like, I don't know if I want to do that. Teach them to obey all that I've commanded. Man, I don't even obey all that Jesus has commanded me to do. Why would I? I'll just be a big hypocrite, and I don't want to do that. So we come up with every reason in the world to not do what Jesus clearly tells us we're supposed to do. I mean, like, this is before he leaves, guys. This is like, hey, final words. Gather up, team. This is really important. Here's what I want you to know. You need to go. You need to get out there. And we're like, nah, that's a lot of work. I'm going to be uncomfortable. This doesn't feel safe to me. It's going to be weird if I speak up about my faith. If I actually open my mouth and tell people about Jesus, I would rather just live my life as an example, and then hopefully that'll be enough. But, but to actually speak up, to make disciples, to, to tell people about Jesus, that's awkward. I get it. I go to parties. I, I get it. I, I know what our political climate is like in this country right now. I understand it. But Jesus says, go and get out there. And if safety and comfort are our number one priorities, we will never do what he says. We won't even try. We will actually run the opposite direction of what he says. Safety and comfort will drive us to, hey, I'm not going to tell anybody about Jesus. I'm just going to keep my personal faith real personal and keep all of this to myself. And we won't do what he says, and we won't even think of ourselves as disobedient. We won't say, I'm being a disobedient Christian because I don't share my faith. We'll say, I'm careful. I don't want to take unnecessary risks. I'm, I'm measured. I want to be safe. And, and Jesus didn't call us to that. Listen to me. Jesus left comfort and safety to come to this hot mess for you and I. And his plan is to reach the rest of the world through us. Now, maybe you and I would love for him to do that a different way. Jesus, you want to reach people in Africa, why don't you just show up in a dream or write something in the sky? Don't send me, though. I don't want to go do that. And Jesus is like, no, this is, this is a partnership. The love of God, the mercy of God, the grace of God has been poured out from him onto you, not so that you can just sit there and hold it and say, isn't this great, but so that you and I would reach out and, and share it. But to do that, we're going to have to get uncomfortable. We're going to have to maybe do some things that feel a little unsafe. Man, what if I speak up and people don't like what I have to say? What if people think I'm preachy? I get that all the time. I am preachy. Like, that's my thing. Why is that so bad? I don't know. Uh, people are like, what if, you know, I don't want to sound preachy. I don't want to sound judgmental because that's the, like the worst thing in America you could be is judgmental, right? What if people ask me questions about Jesus or God and I can't answer them? That's probably going to happen. And, and that's okay. Look, if you don't want to speak up about your faith, and you want to play it safe, there are a million reasons you could give for not doing it. In fact, you have this capacity. I have this capacity. If there's something I don't want to do, I can find almost any reason to not do it. You've seen that, right? If you want to go to the gym, if you're like, I I should go to the gym, should. If you don't want to go, really, you'll find reasons not to go. Oh man, it's too early. Oh, I slept through my alarm. Oh, it's too late. Oh, I'm tired. Man, I'm hungry. Man, I'm angry. Oh, I had a bad day work. Like, whatever, you can find, the weights are too heavy. It doesn't matter. You will come up with a reason if you don't want to go. All it takes is one. You only need one. You'll, You'll do that. And we do the same thing with speaking up about our faith. We will come up with, really, we just need one. One excuse to to not do what Jesus calls us to do. To not get uncomfortable. And what's that all about? God calls us 
to step out, to live by faith. Faith is risky. That's what faith feels like. Calls to step out, to get uncomfortable. And we act like comfort and security is the goal. Safety is the goal. Why? You're going to die anyway. Promise you, you'll die. You and I, we're, we're both dead some, some number of years from now. Or days, or we don't know. But we're going to die one day. Is the goal to land on our deathbed safe and comfortable? Is that it? Is that a win? Do, have we like stuck the landing when I die safely and comfortably? I don't think so. I think God calls us to more. So why should we get out there? Why should we speak up? Why should we even share our faith or tell anyone about Jesus? Number one, the reason is Jesus commands us to. He commands us to. This isn't optional. You don't say, I'm going to make disciples if I'm good at it or if God has gifted me to do it. It's not like that. There are things in the church or in life that you are gifted at. Some of you are gifted singers. By all means, sing. Some of you are gifted uh, leaders and, and teachers and and. and, and really gifted in hospitality, and there's all sorts of things. People have a gift for, you know, design and and all these different things in the world. You have gifts that God has given you. Definitely use those, but I'm saying sharing your faith is not a thing that you're just gifted for, and, and some people have it, and some people don't. It's just a thing we're called to do. It's like love. You can't say, I'm not gifted at love, therefore I'm not going to be loving. No, it's something we're all just in. We're all in this. We all need to be loving. We all need to be working on it, and we all need to be speaking up and sharing our, our faith. Man, there's examples all over this church of people who have stepped out of their comfort zone uh, because God has, has pushed them and, and God has led them. Um, and and they've, they've gotten out there and put themselves out there. One I think of is uh, adoption and foster care. There are families in this church that have adopted and fostered children because they know that those kids need a forever family and they want to try to provide a, a great environment for, for kids. And my wife and I got into that as well. We became respite foster care parents in 2011 and did that for a couple of years. And um, there's not a lot about it that's comfortable or safe. Uh, literally, it's unsafe at times. Uh, that we didn't have too much of experience at that. Uh, you know, when a four-year-old took a swing at my wife, I was like, okay, that's not cool. But um, it wasn't. You know, it was. I think my own kids have done that, so I don't know if that's. <laughs> they haven't. I'm just kidding. You're nice boys. Um, but uh, no, I. I People step out, and, and people who have adopted and fostered in this church have, have more stories than that, and they will tell you that, no, it's not the safest, most comfortable thing to do, um, but, but they're willing to step out and risk because God has called them, or as I would say, the love of Christ compels us. The love of Christ compels us to step out. This is why we speak up. This is why we share our faith. This is why we do some things that feel risky or unsafe or uncomfortable. The love of Christ compels us. Um, other people in this church, they work in prisons. They, they, they volunteer in prisons. They go into prisons and tell people about Jesus, play softball with them. There's a whole ministry around that of people who are doing that. Why do they go to prisons? If you want to be safe and comfortable, don't go to prison. Like, as an inmate or as a guest, like, stay home on your sofa. Like, don't go, don't go out past midnight uh, and stay home. Like, if you want to be comfortable, that's the thing. But people are going into prisons to tell people about Jesus because the love of Christ compels them. Love compels us out to move, to help, to serve, to reach. Love compels us, and there's people doing that um, all over this church. Um, Jesus calls us and compels us to go to some uncomfortable places. 
He, he says it pretty famously in Luke chapter 6. This is the scripture that I would say, love beyond reason as a church comes from these verses right here, that the slogan that we use. Listen to what Jesus says in Luke 6. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. So enemies, the haters, the cursers, and, those, and the abusers. Uh, he says, love, love and do good and bless and pray for those people. To the one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from the one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you and from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you, so do to them. What is Jesus calling us to? He's calling us to risk. He's calling us to get really uncomfortable, to reach out to some not so safe people, or at least to pray for them or something. He's pushing us out. He's not letting us stay comfortable because comfortable is, I'm just going to love the lovable people. People who are nice, people who are good, who are friendly. I will be nice, good, and friendly back to them because that's great. And Jesus is like, man, everybody does that. That's not even a big deal. That's not going to change the world. What changes is when you do the unreasonable thing, when you go to take it to another level and you do the thing that's not comfortable and won't feel safe. You reach out in love and the love of Christ compels you to reach out to some scary people or just some scary places. It's going to require us to take a risk. If we're going to really get out there and do what Jesus called, we have to take a risk. Think about the person you don't want to be loving towards. Maybe it's your dad. Maybe it's a family member, another family member. Maybe it's the jerk at the office. When you think about loving those people in this unreasonable way that Christ calls us to, it kicks up fear in us. I'm afraid. I don't want to do that. It, it doesn't sound comfortable. It doesn't sound safe. And fear shows up when we're asked to be uncomfortable. And I, and I see it not just personally. I see it in our culture all over the place. We have an entire media cycle that is fueled by fear. Every couple days, it's, this is the next thing that's going to be bad and it's going to kill you. Like, that's, that's the cycle. If it bleeds, it leads, right? That's what they say about the press, right? Like, social media, the same way, hashtags of here's everything going horrible. Um, it's designed to make you afraid because fear is a very powerful motivator and a very powerful, like, economic engine. And if they can get you to think that your neighbors are scary and that other people at that other school are scary or people from that other country or people from that other religion, let's just think that all of those people are, are scary. And I get it. I'm not immune to it. I, I get the fear. We were in Ankara, Turkey three weeks ago. Turkey's a 99.7% Muslim country. It's the most Muslim place I've ever been. And we were in Ankara at the, at the capital there. And we went up, the second day we were there, we went up to a castle. There's the castle that overlooks the whole city. And we stood on top of this castle on the castle walls, which, by the way, had no railing because they're not worried about safety. It was just like, drop off to your death. Okay, so I'm going to step back over here. Um, we're up there, and you got this 360 view around the city. And so Ankara is a very uh, hilly city, kind of mountainous sort of region a little bit. And there's all these hills, and you see 5 million people and all the buildings and all that all over the place. It's really beautiful. So I'm looking around. And it, while we were up there, it, it, it became noon, noon time. And um, there are mosques all over the city. And at noon, uh, there was time for noon, noonday prayers. And what we heard, as I'm looking out over the city, you started hearing a loudspeaker from one of the nearest mosques, from one of the minarets, uh, started um, doing prayers, you know, and they're sort of singing the prayers like in Arabic, like an imam is leading prayers. Um, 
And I'd love to say that it was beautiful or interesting or like, so, oh, that's a cool cultural thing. But actually what it made me feel was a little bit afraid when I heard it. And that's dumb, right? People are praying. Like, I get it. I pray. Like, what's the big deal? So they sing their prayers and they do it over a loudspeaker. But I was afraid probably because I've seen like rules of engagement and Oh Dark 30 or whatever. And like, there's always these movies. And like, when people do that, that praying thing, that's in one of those countries where they like throw rocks and shoot people. Like, so I'm like, just a, just a, a racial bias in me and like an implicit racial bias where I'm just like, ah, those people, scary. This is the noise. So, and, and it didn't last forever, like the fear in me, but I did feel it for a second. I'm like, what is wrong with me? Why do I think that because prayers are happening, the next thing is someone's going to blow up. So I get the xenophobia. I get the fear of the other. I, I understand that, um, but I can't let that drive me. I have to be willing to step out and do something that um, requires some risk. That's what faith feels like. I got to do a risky thing. I have to do an uncomfortable thing. I I understand we get afraid of people who aren't like us. I I actually think that drives a lot of our national policy around refugees right now. We'll talk about this more later this month. But there are uh, really 11 million people out of Syria who have either been killed or who have fled the country uh, as refugees trying to get away so that they and their families won't be killed. And, and, and I promise you, uh, if someone came into Richmond and started killing everyone, you would get out too, and you'd go to whatever place you could find for the safety of your family. And that's what people are doing. So they're getting out, and they're crossing over into Turkey and some other places to get away from the, the destruction and the war and the killing and all of that. Um, and as a country, we think it's scary because it's over there and it's those people and, and they're different than us. And, 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 and so we have said as a country, hey, we don't want like people that are running away, like the refugees. We're not, that's not really our thing. I mean, yes, we've taken some refugees in, but when you look at the numbers, uh, there's 36,000 refugees fleeing Syria per day. As a country, we've taken in about 15,000. So we've taken in about half a day's worth of refugees. Compare that to Turkey. Now, I know Turkey and Syria are on the border, but Turkey's taken in 2.8 million. Um, what drives that in us? It's, it's, the, it's not in my backyard. Like, hey, not in my backyard. I don't need that. I'm, that the, that's going to be scary. That's going to be unsafe. That's going to be uncomfortable. Now, we could have a discussion about national policy on refugees and immigration some other time. That's probably not a sermon. But... What our country does is one thing. What Christians do is another thing. And that's my concern is what do we do as the body of Christ and what, do I, what am I doing personally? Where am I willing to get uncomfortable? Where am I willing to reach out and love someone who's different from me and not just fear them? them? We as the people of God have to act differently. We have to love our neighbors even if it scares us. We have to reach out even if we feel the fear. Why? Because the love of Christ compels us. And Voskamp is a a poet, writer, uh, and I heard her speak last week. Um, I was at a conference, and, and she was speaking about the refugee crisis. I heard a nine-minute talk from her. She was talking about the refugee crisis, and she said this, and I wrote it down, and I wanted to share it with you. She said, no one ever got saved unless someone was willing to become unsafe, and that's historically true. No one in, in wars got, uns- got saved until someone was willing to become unsafe, And I would say that's certainly true with us in our relationship with God. We did not get saved until Jesus Christ was willing to become unsafe and enter into our our world. So the last question, um, who are you willing 
to become unsafe for? Not what are you willing, not what cause are you willing to die for or anything like that. I'm just saying, who are you willing to become unsafe or you could say uncomfortable for? Who's the person that you know that needs God? And yeah, it might be uncomfortable to speak up, but are you willing to become uncomfortable to to introduce them to the one who became uncomfortable for you? We need to take risks. I don't want to throw my life away. Seriously, I understand why people would say, why'd you go to Turkey? There's a State Department warning about U.S. travelers going to Turkey. I get that. Um, and I don't want to throw my, wife, my, my life away cheaply. I have three sons. Um, they need a dad, and I want them to have one. Um, but I don't want to teach my sons that the point of life is to get comfortable and cushy and safe. I want to teach them that we take risks because we don't fear, because we we come from a long line of of followers of Christ who have said, I'm willing to get risky for the sake of the gospel. I'm I'm willing to step out and become uncomfortable. Uh, Not because we have a death wish, not because we want to throw anything away, but because we, we believe, we actually trust in God to sustain us and that God has a plan and that he will make things right eternally. So think about that. Who are you willing to become unsafe or uncomfortable for. Let's pray. Lord, teach us to get out, to reach out beyond our walls, to reach out across uh, racial boundaries, to to be uncomfortable. Um, God, show us whatever the next right step is for us. We so uh, easily, and our culture supports this, we so easily want to drift towards comfort and security. And, And that's that's fine on some level, but it's also lethal to our, our faith and our mission on another level. And so, God, I, I pray that we would, we would reach out, we would step out. We would have someone in mind right now that we want to speak up to and, and share our faith with and take a risk for so that they could come to know you. God, I thank you for the great mission that you have us on on this earth. In your son's name we pray. Amen.